Isaac Shade here, co-host of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Join Andy Patton and me every Monday as we break down all the buzzer-beating action, conference rivalry games, and need-to-know bubble matchups ahead of the NCAA tournament. Check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Their 2025 recruiting class on the offensive line, but they desperately need to continue adding to their offensive line for 2025. We'll talk about that here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free reviews in the podcast and on YouTube. Happy Thursday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Giants Country NFL 33. Today's episode of Locked On Gators is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today and you'll get $150 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. Thank you, everybody, also that tuned in yesterday when we had Cody Alexander here on the show. Um, overwhelmingly positive reviews, which I very much enjoyed because I'm – I'm a big fan of Cody's work, and so having him on the show was awesome and very insightful. But we're shifting to more recruiting again today because it is the offseason, and, well, the Florida Gators roster is not in fantastic shape. They did add Peyton Joseph earlier this week, and and I'm a big fan of Peyton Joseph's game. Kept watching his film after he committed. And, man, dude's nasty. Like, there's just no other – like, he's mean. And I love that Florida needs that on their offensive line. They need more just physical, nasty, mean mama jammas on their team. And Peyton Joseph is one of that, but you need more. I will also say that Peyton Joseph could play guard, either guard spot or center. However, the premium position on the offensive line is that offensive tackle and while some people do think that Peyton Joseph can play offensive tackle I don't think he'll be there I don't think he's a long-term answer there and again that's not that's nothing wrong it's just I don't think he's a long-term tackle so you need to add premium tackle talent you've only added Caden Jones from the 2023 class who didn't play in 2023 and then Fletcher Westfall for the 2024 class who we don't anticipate to play much in 2024 because Ideally, you don't have true freshman tackles playing significant playing time. And that's another reason you really have to hammer it for the 2025 class is because when you look at 2026 and beyond, you're going to need to really add to your offensive line and you're probably going to need to get some guys that can play pretty early on. Florida's blue chip ratio on the offensive line is just, I mean, nothing short of horrendous. Like, yes, Rod Kearney. Yes, Caden Jones. Yes, Fletcher Westfall. Three blue chips in two years on the offensive line. When you brought in, I'm just talking high school. I'm not counting transfer portal guys. 
whether that helps or hurts the case, I'm not counting transfer portal guys. Just the blue chips on the offensive line, you brought in three blue chips on the offensive line in two years. And that's what three out of eight offensive linemen you brought in are blue chips, 38%. I only know that because when you shoot three for eight in 2K, it says 38% field goal percentage, just so you know. Um, but that blue chip ratio, like overall, Florida's blue chip ratio is great under Billy Napier. But the offensive line blue chip ratio is horrendous. And you have a team that needs to be able to win battles up front in the trenches in order to win football games and move the football. So to not do well recruiting there really, really hurts. And again, I, I just need Florida. You need to hit the tackles more. You need to get tackles more because even when you do look at the guys that you brought in, you have Caden Jones, tackle, Fletcher Westfall, tackle, Rod Kearney, interior offensive lineman. Uh, he could play center or guard. I think he's better at guard right now with Jake Slaughter at center and then having Najee Harris also at guard. And I'm like, all right, it's a young, young trio on the inside, but it's a trio I'm pretty confident in. But that's still not helping your tackle position for the 2024 season 2025 season doesn't look awesome either florida needs to add help for tackle they're going to have to hit the transfer portal for 2025 and 2026 but ideally you can add guys you go hey like do you understand we're in the sec you're probably going to sit for a year or two even on the offensive line but when your time's coming you're going to be ready to play and you're going to be you're going to be starting for a year or two and then you can go to the nfl and we'll call it a day at that point. So whether that's bringing in someone from the 2025 class like Michael Fasusi, uh, Tavares Dice, who we've we've talked about both of them before on the show, if I'm not mistaken, with Brian Smith. But this is a spot where Florida, you need to add not just quality but quantity because you need more help at tackle. You need more help at guard. You need more help at center. Like the guys that you've brought in can all become something good. I would rather... You go, and I'm not saying anything to to uh, ne neglect the other guys that you have recruited and brought in. Because again, I do think that Florida's done a pretty good job of bringing in offensive linemen with high ceilings. In which case, you're banking on, hey, we're pretty confident in our development and our ability to develop offensive linemen. Give us some time, and we'll turn the diamond, we'll, we'll turn the coal into diamond. Which is a fine approach. It really is except that it's not because you do need to bring in some guys who are already pretty refined and have higher ceilings and higher floors as well. And then bring them in and build out your offensive line like that, because the approach that you've taken to this point hasn't worked. You look at their first year, they had Osiris Torrance who they brought over from Louisiana. And that's like the crowning achievement for Rob Sale, Billy Napier is like, yeah, we got a guy who was dominating the Sun Belt. He went to the SEC and everybody's like, hey, you got to do it at the SEC level. And he, he became an All-American. And that's great. But what, what what did you have last year? Last year, sure. Austin Barber wasn't great. He was here before you. You didn't recruit him. That's fine. Richie Leonard, you didn't recruit him. He was here before you. Jake Slaughter, same thing. Damian George, a right tackle one of the worst starting tackles I've ever seen uh, at Florida. And then 
You had Micah Mizuka, who also didn't pan out. Well, I know that he had the shoulder injury, but it was just like once he got on campus, it just went downhill for uh, Micah Mizuka for Florida. So it was just really bad. And, and those two guys were guys that this staff brought in. Uh, so I think that when you look at who they've brought in, it's like, great, you had Osiris, you had Osiris Torrance. That's been your crowning achievement. That's been your claim to fame. But like, it's up to you in year three now. There's no excuses whatsoever to not have a good offensive line when you've invested as much in the offensive line coaching staff and the offensive line development plan as you have. If they're just not good recruiters, and I'm including Darnell Stapleton in this because he's been gone for a week. If they're just not good recruiters and they're just not good recruiters, but then you have to be good developers and show us that this year. But go ahead, bring it's okay to bring in blue chips and develop those guys. You don't have to bring in a three star and develop them. We are going to flip to the defensive side for the next segment because uh, I do think that Florida has a massive glaring weakness that they desperately need to uh, need to address in 2025. But first, we're going to get a quick word from eBay Motors. With passion, drive, and patience, that's what brings home the winning trophy, and it's also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. You'll always find exactly what you're looking for, and with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And remember that eBay guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. And like I said, we're flipping to the defensive side of the ball because the Florida Gators are in a spot where their cornerback room was terrible last year. Just genuinely arguably the worst in power five now power four but whatever arguably the worst in the fbs performance wise production wise uh you look at what jason marshall has done last year was atrocious 24 yards per catch Jalen kimber who's no longer in gainesville 22 yards per catch but that was your other starting corner devin moore has been very good when he's been healthy but he's never healthy jakeem jackson is I mean, his ceiling's insane as well, but he was very raw when he got to Gainesville, and I don't think he's going to be the type to just take that next huge stride. Because uh, don't forget, he he just moved to corner before uh, before coming to Florida, so he's he's all ceiling. Teddy Foster this year, also another 
all ceiling. Then there's a bunch of the guys that couldn't crack the rotation last year. Deshaun Johnson could be something. We'll see what happens with him. He's kind of been just like moving around the secondary since he got there. But this is one of those times where, like, like for Florida, quantity-wise on the offensive line, you you have gotten you know eight, nine guys at this point. That's fine. Uh, quality's been the bigger issue there, but cornerback. Man, uh, you haven't gotten the quality or the quantity. You added Teddy Foster and Jameer Grimsley this year's true freshman. Uh, Jameer Grimsley technically through the transfer portal because he was at Alabama for like two and a half hours or whatever it was. Um, but from 2024, you added Jameer Grimsley and Teddy Foster. I'm a big fan of both of them. Uh, but again, this is one of those spots where I, I think corner true freshman you can play. That that's the easiest spot. But I feel like we're talking about this as oh, Jameer Grimsley can play early, and the main argument to support that isn't he's that good. The main argument to support that is this cornerback room is really bad, and that's not an ideal main argument to have. Which again, I do think he's pretty dang good. Do you think he's pretty dang aggressive? Do you think he can make some plays on the ball? And that's pretty impressive. But again, main argument for why he can play this year is not his talent. It is the lack thereof at corner in Gainesville. And that's, again, that's not a knock on him. Genuinely, I do like his film. I do think he can be very good. But again, the main argument is just how bad corner is right now. You haven't gotten the quality or the quantity in Gainesville since Billy Napier got here, especially similar to the offensive line with how much you invested in that position with Corey Raymond. Embarrassing that you haven't been able to get it. And again, yeah, sure. Some of that's on Corey Raymond. He fell off, whatever, maybe some of that's on NIL. Some of that's on the rest of the coaching staff as well. There is no excuse for Florida to not have talented corners. Like that's the thing where, I know that a lot of people get upset when Brian Smith comes on the show and he goes, oh, like it's easy to recruit Florida, especially when you are the University of Florida. It's really easy to recruit. And I get people get upset about that because it's not easy to recruit, whatever, maybe. Defensive backs in the state of Florida, you are the University of Florida. It should be relatively easy for you to convince defensive backs to get it. However... Hasn't been the case, again, in terms of just getting the top defensive backs, top corners, even just in the state. Like last year was where everyone's like, oh, it's a, it's a down year for the state of Florida. Um, still didn't reel in the top guys in the state initially. Like Jameer Grimsley, sure, eventually got to you. Um, but again, you, you lost that battle. You ultimately got him, and we're going to talk about that as a positive because he's here, but you still lost that battle. And so for Florida, you haven't gotten the volume or the quantity or the quality. I'm a big fan of Jakeem Jackson, very raw player. Like this is again, Florida bringing guys and going, oh, we're going to bank on their potential and we're going to have them hit their potential. We're going to get everything we can out of them. But you haven't done it yet because Jason Marshall Jr. is someone who you didn't recruit, but he still, when you got here, it was still, oh, he's, he's going to take the next step. He can be that guy. He's got to be developed, but he can be the guy. He could be a corner one. He could be a first-round draft pick, um, which, by the way, on Lockdown Gators, we said he was never going to live up to the hype that it was thrown upon him. Not that I ever think he's bad. Just 
or not that I ever said like, oh, he, he's just terrible. He's not good enough. I just think that the hype is way too high for him. And I still do think that. And, but fact remains when he was, when you first got here for Billy Napier, Corey Raymond, everybody still never developed him. Like, like he has not gotten better in that time. And I understand part of it is on a player, like like if a player works hard enough or if they don't work hard enough, then sure, that's going to impact things. But this is one of those times where he didn't even get like a little bit better. And that has to come on coaching. Uh, you have to get the guys interested, get them active and use them properly. And Jason Marshall Jr. has been just failing miserably. And a lot of that does come on coaching. It also goes on him. I'm not saying he's not without fault, but coaching was has failed him basically throughout his time in Gainesville. So you, you had a guy where it's like, oh, he's got an elite ceiling and you didn't get that out of him. So forgive me for, and I realize I'm going off on like a tangent that I didn't think was going to come off as aggressive as it is, but here we are. Forgive me if you fumbled the Jason Marshall development. Forgive me for not looking at this and going, oh yeah, just keep bringing in the guys with high ceiling. You'll figure it out. Sure, Will Harris is here now, and I and I have a little bit more faith in that. Um, but yeah, forgive me for being skeptical for a team that hasn't done something for me to go, oh, they're going to do it now. There's a lot of corner talent in Florida. There always has been. There always will be, even if rankings are low on them. Corners like DBs in Florida, athletes in Florida. Great thing to add. Couple of the top 10 corners in the country and on three are in California. Will Harris is from California. Ron Roberts is from California. Go send your guys out there. Just get send them out there and just go, hey, hey, um, you want to come to the East Coast? If they have no interest in going that far, then no interest in going that far. But talent's there. And you have guys, you have staff members that have worked and been from Louisiana, which also produces DBs. Texas, you've got kind of a little bit of a pipeline growing there. In the states that produce typically great DBs, you've got guys there. Georgia, you've had success going into and recruiting. Like, you've had success recruiting a lot of these spots. Go ahead and get some top guys from those states. Get some top guys at corner from those states. Like, you need volume and you need talent. Like, you, it's as simple as that. You look at the cornerback room for this year, from last year to this year, you could argue it's gotten better, but the main argument to say it's gotten better is young guys developing. It's not that you added new guys who instantly make your room significantly better. It's that you've got young guys with high ceilings and you're just going, all right, someone's got to step up. Devin Moore will stay healthy now. Like, like That's why you think the corner room may have gotten better. This is the year Jason Marshall figures it out. Maybe, but again, nothing to me, nothing's been shown to me to indicate that that will actually happen. So I'm going to stop going, it'll happen this time. So for me, corner, you have to get both quantity and quality because you're severely lacking in corners. It's about where you're lacking not only talent at the top, but depth. You don't have a ton of depth there right now. Not a thing that should happen at the University of Florida. And that's not all Billy Napier. That's also on Dan Mullen prior to that's on the administration. Sure. But you gotta figure something out here. If you're Billy Napier and the Florida Gators and Will Harris, like, like you have to address corner because man, it is effing awful right now. 
We're going to go back to the offensive side to wrap up today's show because I do have to talk about the tight end position, which again, do you think you need to add to it? But first, we're going to get a quick word from FanDuel. The NBA is back. That's right. That's right. The NBA is back from All-Star break, which is just a week is far too long. But tonight, you can get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. Any winning $5 bet. Just saying, there's there's a lot of pretty wild odds that you could just throw five bucks on. You're going to make two cents from it, but you're also going to get 150 bucks in bonus bets. Just saying. Just saying. 150 bucks if your bet wins. And with the NBA back, you could bet on triple doubles, player performance doubles. You could just go points, rebounds, assists, threes made, whatever it may be. Just money line winner, which I don't touch because the NBA is just wild with how with how many teams or how many times a scrub team just wins. Like you're not getting me. I'll stick with my props. Visit fanduelcom slash locked on and shoot your shot. Remember that FanDuel is an official sportsbook partner of the NBA. To wrap up today's show. We're talking about the tight end position, and this is this one isn't as much as me, you know, sounding the alarm and, and getting the lighthouse going. Um, this one is more that looking at, and, and this is a big part of recruiting because, you know, the 2024 class is here. You added Amir Jackson. Amir Jackson has the potential to be a pretty damn lethal tight end, okay? I don't think he does much this year because he's, I mean, in high school at Portal, he played more receiver than anything else running end arounds and sweeps and screens and stuff not to say that he can't contribute but he hasn't been playing tight end he's just a giant and he's a great athlete so he's listed as a tight end but you added him for 2024 you go to 2022 billy napier's class billy napier's first class you got hayden hansen you got Arliss Boardingham, you got Andrew Savayanai, you got Tony Livingston. Andrew Savayanai transferred out. He's at Nevada, I think now. Uh, Tony Livingston joined the team in 2023, so he's basically part of the 2023 class with the gray shirt. So he came in then. Hayden Hansen, Arliss Boardingham, both starting tight ends this year. I fully expect them to be back. I understand Keon Zipper is back as well but I expect both Hayden and Arliss to be the starters this year. And they're both entering NFL-eligible seasons. As in, this is the third year in college for both Hayden Hansen and Arliss Boardingham, meaning they are indeed NFL draft-eligible should they choose to leave after this coming season. That should not be the expectation. I think that Hayden is the kind of tight end that is probably going to do four years in college. Uh, so I would expect him to be back for 2025 season. Arliss, unless he's made big strides, I don't think is NFL ready. So I would expect him back for 2025 as well. But we're approaching the point where you got Hayden and Arliss can leave at any time they want after the season. Even with the portal, they could just leave if they wanted to. So Hayden and Arliss can leave. After this season, NFL portal, whatever it may be, at any time, maybe one of them is like, "Yeah, you know, I want to go to, uh, I, I want to go to a 
more spread offense, like an air raid, full-blown air raid, whatever it may be. Maybe. And they leave. Keon Zipper is entering his final year of eligibility after missing the 2023 season, which missed the 2023 season. Who knows what he's going to look like now after a year off with that knee injury. We'll see what he looks like. I'm expecting him to be Arliss's backup. Tony Livingston is who I'm expecting to be Hayden Hansen's backup. Gavin Hill from the 2023 recruiting class has moved to tight end from the defensive line. But just looking at the tight end position, there is no long-term depth here. And even long-term starters, yeah, one. And by long-term starters, I mean looking at the 2026 class really we're looking at the 2026 season because even the 2025 kids you're not wanting them to come in and be starters you're not wanting them to be contributing at that point um so 2025 we can even look past where we can go all right you're, you're you can expect probably hayden arliss tony livingston amir jackson gavin hill to all be there in 2025 that's fine but when these 2025 kids are ready to contribute and it's 2026 and beyond. I don't feel comfortable projecting Hayden and Arliss back. So I'm looking at Tony Livingston, Gavin Hill, Amir Jackson. And we got no idea what two thirds of those guys look like. Even Tony, we've barely seen him play that much. So I really think for Florida 2025, you got to hit tight end with at least two additions here. And, and that could be the approach for Florida. You know, the 2022 cycle, they added four, really three, and then 2023, they added one, and then 2024, they added one. Maybe they're like, all right, every three years, we're going to add three tight ends, and we'll just add a tight end every year outside of that. And that could be the approach. That could be how you stack your room to have guys, especially if you take, like, the, the Hayden and Arliss approach of one's the blocking type traditionally, One's the pass catching type, the more modern guy. And we're going to use 12 personnel. We're going to use two tight ends a lot and we're going to move them around and we're going to, we're going to bring them up through the system together and they'll have that chemistry. That could absolutely be an approach. Like I have, I have no problem with that approach. However, I do think that this is the year where you got to go. All right. We need at least two tight ends to be added to the room because we don't have long-term depth. We don't have long-term starter plan. And yeah, that, that's not something that you can really do comfortably at most positions. Like like offensive line, you can at least go, oh, we added a ton of guys that we do think we can develop. They know it's going to take some time. We'll get them year two, year three, and maybe they'll be ready to contribute. Like, like offensive line, you can at least say you've added a ton of guys. Receiver, you can say you've added a ton of guys. D-line, you've added a lot of guys. But you look at corner, you haven't added a lot. Tight end, you haven't added a lot of guys at the tight end room either. So I think when you have, unless you're shifting away from 12 personnel, which I don't see Billy Napier doing. Um, but if you're looking at Billy Napier and his tight end usage and long term, again, you got, I mean, at this point, you have at most, what? Like you can technically get three seasons from Hayden and Arliss, but I highly doubt they're going to all they're going to both be in college for five years. Something tells me that's not gonna happen. So I do think that you, you really have to add some guys in 2025 so that they can be ready to contribute in 2026 
and beyond because right now you don't have a long-term plan there. You've got Amir Jackson, and that's a great starter. That's got great starter potential as your pass-catching flexed-out tight end, but long-term, the plan isn't there. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free reviews in the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Florida Gators football for Lockdown Gators. I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Giants Country and NFL 33, and I'll see you all next time.